your Bible, please, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. John, chapter 21. And today, as we come to these verses in the 21st chapter, I think if John were to take this book now and take it to a publisher and say, I'd like you to publish my book, that under the title, The Gospel According to John, he would probably write the summary that he writes in the very last words of this chapter. He would say, there are so many things that Jesus did that I couldn't possibly write all of them down, and the world could not contain all the books that should be written. John was able to write only a small portion of what Jesus said and did. Uh, Personally, I'm looking forward to the time when I get to heaven, and I'll be able to find out all of those things that I've always wondered about. We'll be able to sit down at the feet of Jesus, and throughout all eternity, we'll find out about all these many other things that Jesus said and did. On Sunday mornings, we have our Sunday morning forum class over here in rooms 8 and 9, and I get asked a lot of different questions about the Bible. Sometimes I wonder what Jesus would think about the answers that I give. I I feel like a a little kid, really, in Sunday school class myself, uh, trying to explain things from a very limited point of view that I have, and I wonder, what would Jesus think about those answers that I give? And maybe he would look at me as just a kid in a class and and uh, just giving those answers, and maybe not very good answers sometimes, but the best that I can give. Right, reminds me somewhat of, a, of a, some actual answers that I saw on some tests that were given to children. Children were given a science test, and they gave these answers to some questions, and sometimes they are pretty strange. Uh, one question was asked, explain one of the processes by which water can be made safe to drink. And the answer was, Flirtation makes water safe to drink because it removes large pollutants like grit, sand, dead sheep, and canoeist. <laughs> this question, what are steroids? Answer, things for keeping carpets still on the stairs. Question, what happens to your body as you age? When you get old, so do your bowels and you get intercontinental. Name a major disease associated with cigarettes. And the answer is premature death. Question, how can you delay milk turning sour? And the answer is keep it in the cow. And this question, what does the word benign mean? And the answer is benign what you will be after you be eight. So... My answers, I don't know, they might sound something like that. But one of the things we do know about this, about the Word of God, is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they wrote down plenty of information for us to find out about Jesus. And if you will just believe what the gospel writers have said, there is enough information for you to be saved. Well, today's message is next to the last in our series of Gospel of John. year and a half has now passed, a little bit more. We're going to sum up the series next week as we go back to chapter number 20, and we're going to look at the words that John said, or the the verse that he gave us there about the purpose for writing this book. We're going to talk about that next week, and we're going to review a little bit from the Gospel of John. But today, from uh, these uh, scriptures that I want to read this morning... We're going to learn something about loving Jesus. And a question is asked, do you love Jesus? And that was a question that Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? 
And as he asked that question, he also revealed something in this passage about Peter's death. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Stand with me, if you would, please, as we read from John chapter 21. We're looking at verse number 15. I want you to remember the setting that we have here. We talked about it last week. Uh, Jesus and the disciples are on the seashore of Galilee, and they're having breakfast by the sea. Verse number 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren, that that disciple should not die. Yet Jesus said not unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is that disciple which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And that verse is the stamp of authenticity upon the book of John. Verse 25 And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we just ask you, Lord, uh, to bless as we preach the message today. And Lord, may this question stick in our minds. Do we really love you? Do we love you as we should? And Lord, reveal that to our hearts. Is there a love that we need that it needs to be much greater than the one that it is. Lord, we pray that you might bless the sermon today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to picture in your mind for just a moment the disciples out on that Sea of Galilee, that beautiful lake, and they'd been out there all night fishing. They hadn't caught anything, not even one single fish. And Jesus appears there on the seashore, and he calls out across the water very early in the morning. And he said, hey, fellows, put your nets down on the right side of the ship. And the disciples did that. And the Bible tells us that when they cast the nets on the right side of the ship, that they drew so many fish. So many fish went into the nets that it was impossible to get all of those fish into the boat. And then Jesus beckoned to his disciples. He said to them, come and dine. And he invited them to come to the seashore. And there Jesus had a fire already built, a little campfire there. And he was already preparing fish for their breakfast. 
So he invited them to come and dine, and the disciples sat down with him, and they enjoyed those fish there by the seashore. Well, the disciples finished that meal, and then they leaned back with full bellies. And I can almost imagine in my mind right now, each of them has a toothpick in their mouth, and they're leaning back there, and they said, Hey, fellas, it just doesn't get any better than this. And that's when Jesus spoke to Peter, and he said to him, Simon, do you love me? And there was something missing when Jesus asked that question. Did anybody notice what was missing? We read it in verse number 15, and I'm sure the disciples missed uh, missed it. They knew that something was missing here. Because when Jesus said, Simon, do you love me? He reverted back to that old name that Peter had before he became a disciple of Jesus. Jesus called him Simon. He didn't call him Peter, so he used that old name before Jesus became, or before Peter became a disciple. Back in the beginning of this book, in chapter 1, Jesus called Peter, and there was a play on words that he used with Simon's name. He said to him, you will be called Cephas. Now, that's not Bo-Cephas, for those of you that are country music fans. But he said, I'm going to call you Cephas, or you're going to be a rock. And that was a play on words with his name. He said, Peter, you're going to become a strong rock. You're going to be a stalwart of the faith for me. But here he reverts back to that old name, Simon. And the reason that he did this is because he wanted to show Peter his weakness. Now, he said, Simon, son of Jonas, and Jonas actually means John, Simon, John's son, and did you know that Peter's name was really Simon Johnson? That's what he said to him. Simon Johnson, do you really love me? He said, yes, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked that very same question to him three times. What's Jesus doing? Well, why does he ask Peter the question like this? Well, push the rewind button for just a moment. Let's go back three weeks to the night before Jesus was crucified. Peter stood up in front of the disciples and he was speaking with Jesus. And he said, Lord, you know something? All of these other disciples, they may forsake you. They may turn your back on you. They may flee from you. But he said, Lord, I'll never do it. I'll always stand by you. I'll always be with you. You don't have to worry about Simon Peter, Lord. I'm going to be there. And Jesus said to Peter, now, Peter, you need to think about what you're saying. Watch out what you're saying here. Because before this night is over, you will not deny me one time. You will deny me three times. And Peter said, "Uh uh-uh, ain't going to happen, Lord. It's not going to happen. And we know exactly what did happen. Peter did deny the Lord, and Peter did fail. Well, the message this morning, first of all, here is for anyone who's ever failed Jesus. If in your lifetime, sometime after you become a Christian, that... You did something and you realized that you denied the Lord when you did that. This part of the message is for you. Because when you deny Jesus, you can actually go in one of two directions. First of all, in the sermon today, we're going to see a contrast between the way that the devil treats you when you fail and the way that Jesus treats you when you fail. So let's first look at the devil. When you fail, Satan accuses to destroy you. You see, Satan only has one thing in mind. He wants to destroy you. He wants to defeat you. And Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief cometh not, and there he meant Satan, the devil. The devil, the thief cometh not, but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, let's go back to that night that Jesus predicted that Peter would fail. John doesn't record it, but 
Uh, Luke tells us about the conversation that took place between Jesus and Peter. And in Luke chapter 22, verse number 31, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren." And he said unto him, that's Peter, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day. Before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So Jesus said, Simon, Satan wants to take you and he wants to sift you as wheat. How many of you ladies remember years and years ago when you used to bake that you had a sifter. Anybody remember those? With multipurpose flour today, you don't have to worry too much about this, but they used to have a sifter, and the sifter had a handle on it that you turned, and as you turned that handle, it brought up all the lumps that are in the flour. This is exactly what Jesus is saying to, to Simon Peter. He says, Peter, Satan wants to sift you. In other words, what he wants to do, he wants to bring up all of the imperfections in your life. He wants to bring up all the sins that you've committed, all the mistakes that you've done, and he wants to show those things to everybody. And he wants you to be aware of the fact that you have failed him. Satan wants to sift you as wheat. And so he says, Peter, Satan's going to come along and he's going to whisper in your ear, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. Baby, you're no good. (laughs) Satan wants to sift you as wheat. So he's going to say to you, you have failed God. You failed God. God's through with you. You are useless to God. You might as well forget about it now. God's not going to use you anymore. Just forget about it, Peter. And that's what Satan tries to do to us. He comes to us and he tells us, you're no good and God's not going to use you anymore. Well, here's the thing. If you failed God, the truth of the matter is that there's still hope for you. God still wants to work things out in your life. Now, Satan may try to destroy you, but the Bible says that when you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you are his child, it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so Jesus wants to change things. He can use you again. So Simon Peter failed, but he was restored. And God has that very same thing in mind. The devil only has one thing in mind. He wants to destroy you. But thank the Lord for this, that Jesus will restore you. With Jesus, things are different. So here's what we learn about Jesus. When you fail, here's the contrast. Jesus confronts to restore you. Jesus confronts to restore you. Now, he's not just going to let your failures pass. Jesus is too smart for that. He knows better than that. So he wants you to learn something from your failures. And so what he does, he confronts you when you fail, and that's what he did with Peter. He knows that you need to learn something. So he didn't say to Peter, well, okay, Peter, just forget about it. You failed me. It really doesn't matter. Let's pretend like it didn't happen. No, Jesus wanted to teach Peter a lesson. So he confronted him. Do you know why Jesus did this publicly? It was because Peter denied him publicly. You remember where Peter was when he denied Jesus? Well, Peter was... They're standing around a campfire with a bunch of these people that were uh, uh, people who hated Jesus. These were the very people that were going to take him and crucify him. And there was Peter standing with that group around that fire, and he was joining in their conversation. He was cursing with them, doing all the things that they did. 
And that was a very public thing. And so Jesus confronted him also publicly. Now, where is Peter right now? Well, strangely enough, what are they doing? They're sitting around the campfire. All of the disciples there are, are there to hear exactly what's said. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And how many times did Jesus ask Peter, Simon, do you love me? He asked him that question three times. And Jesus did that to confront him and to restore him. So this is what he had in mind in Peter. And I can pro- with Peter, and I can promise you today that if you fail Jesus, that he has only one thing in mind. Jesus wants to restore you. Jesus wants to bring you back. And if you'll stick with him, he'll cause things to work out as they should. So you may have failed, but you don't have to end up a failure in your Christian life. If you come back, Jesus will use you again. Now, I want to go on here because we're just now coming into the main part of the message that I want to bring you today. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. And you probably already guessed that, that, that those words come from the song that we all know, Abide With Me. I like to name the titles of the sermons after songs. I do that a lot. In life and death, O Lord, abide with me. So what does Jesus say about our lives? Well, Jesus tells us that in life, you just need to love me. Jesus says, in life, you love me. Jesus says, what you need to do in your life, don't worry about a lot of other things that are going on. You just need to love me. Now, folks, we think the Christian life is so complicated sometimes. We we look at the Christian life, and we think it's all wrapped up in thou shalt and thou shalt not. It's all in the rules and regulations that we keep. And so there are many people who do not want to become Christians because they think that's what the Christian life is. It's things I can do and things that I can't do, and I better especially be sure of the things that I can't do. Well, if you think that about the Christian life, and that's what a Christian is all about, you've got things confused and mixed up. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. The Christian life is summed up right here. Jesus was asked the question, Master, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And so you can sum the Christian life up in that one thing there. Do you really love Jesus? That's what it's all about. That's what the Christian life is. Now, there are two basic questions that you need to ask yourself to find out if you really love Jesus. We're going to talk about these two questions today. And the first one is, do you love Jesus more than anything or any person? Do you love Jesus more than anything or any person? What did Jesus mean when he said, Peter, lovest thou me, or Simon, lovest thou me more than these What did he mean by more than these? Some people think that Jesus stood there and he waved his hand over the sea. And he looked out there and he said, Now, Peter, Simon, do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than your boat? Do you love me more than those nets? Do you love me more than your livelihood? And that's a good question, isn't it? That's a good place to start. Do you love me more than those things? And others say, well, no, what Jesus really means here is that, do you love me more than these other men? And, of course, that would be directly related to what Peter said before. Proud, boastful, arrogant Peter, he's the one who said, I love you more than these other men. They may deny you, but, Lord, I will not deny you. 
And so Jesus is asking him, Now, Peter, Simon, do you really love me more than these other men? And that's a good question, isn't it? it? I mean, do you love me more than any other person? Do you love me more than that? You know, there's actually four words that we can look at today that will tell you something about what you love the most. There are four T words. You might want to write these down today. Four T words that will help you to determine this. It's the word think, talk, time, and treasure. Very important words. Four words. Now, you can sit there today and you can sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. And you can talk about how I love Jesus. But friend, if you never think about him and you never talk about him, you spend no time with him, and you're more concerned with your treasure, all this stuff that you have, how you're going to make the next dollar, you are never going to convince Jesus that you love him. What you think about, what you like to talk about, what you invest more time in, what you treasure, that is who or what you really love supremely. So if Jesus were to ask you today, lovest thou me? More than these, what would your answer be? What would you say to that question? Do you really love Jesus? And what kind of love is that? Well, as we read this story today, when Jesus asked the question to Peter, we're really sort of at a disadvantage because of the English language. In the English language, we only have one word that we use for love, L-O-V-E. That's the only word that we have. That's it. Just one word, love. And we use that same word when we say, I love to go fishing, I I love ice cream, I love my dog, I love my wife. And if you don't mean a difference between those two things, I love my dog and I love my wife, men, you're in trouble, aren't you? You look at the context of that word to find out what you actually mean by the word love. But in the Greek language, it's different. There's actually three words that are used for love. Uh, Two of those words are used in the Bible, the other one is not. But in this particular passage of Scripture, there are actually two words that are used for love. Now, Jesus asks the question here, and the word that he uses in verses 15 and 16 is the word agape. And what that word means is fully devoted love, or 100% love. That's how we would call it. The second word is the one that Peter used when he replied, and this was the word philio. And the word filio actually means like a 60% love. It's like saying, well, I'm really fond of someone. It's friendly love or it's brotherly love. That's where we get the word Philadelphia. If you've ever been to Philadelphia, you might ask the question, how did they ever get the name friendly or brotherly love out of that? But filio is really 60% love as compared to agape love. And so Jesus speaks to Simon, and he says in verse number 15, Simon, do you love me with 100% fully devoted agape love? Do you love me that way? And Peter replied to him, Yea, Lord, you know that I have 60% love, filio love. Yes, Lord, you know that I'm really fond of you. And Jesus asked the question a second time. He said, Peter... Do you love me or do you have 100% devoted love for me? And Peter answered the question again. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you with 60% love. I'm very fond of you, Lord. And so Jesus asked a third time. He said, Simon, do you love me? Only this time he used the very same word that Peter used. He said, Peter, do you even love me with 60% love? 
Do you even love me that much? And this time when Peter heard that question phrased in the same way that he used it, he became very disturbed by that. He was humble and he was broken. Jesus said, do you love me? And Peter said, when Jesus used that very same word, Peter said, I think with his head bowed, with his lips trembling, proud, arrogant, Peter, he's no longer bragging, he's no longer boasting here. And he says, yes, Lord, you know me better than I. You know how much I love. You know what kind of love that is because you know my heart. Folks, Jesus is right here today and he's asking you the very same question. Do you love me? And we're so quick to sing all of these songs that we put up here on the board about loving Jesus. We're real quick to to sing those songs. But be aware of this. Jesus really knows what your heart is like. He really knows how you're answering that question. And so the real thing here, if you want to find out, do you love Jesus, is to answer the question, do you love him more than anything? And do you love him more than any other person? How do you really love Jesus? But then there's a second question that we find in this, and that is, is your love expressed in service? This is also a way to find out how much you love Jesus. Is your love expressed in service? John 14, verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. So Jesus said to Simon, Simon, if you love me, Feed my sheep. And he asked that question and said the same thing three times. Simon, if you love me, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep, Simon, if you love me. In other words, Simon, do something. Do something for me. That's what Jesus is telling us today. How can you sit there and say, oh, how I love Jesus, and you never do anything for him? The way to find out if you really love Jesus is, is my love expressed in service? Now, some of you say, well, you know, I I can't do that. I can't talk to people about Jesus. You're asking me to go out there and speak to people about Jesus and invite them to come to church? I don't even like those people you're telling me to come to church. Jesus didn't say, do you like them? He said, do you love me? It's not a question about them. It's a question about you. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love him? And I promise you this. If you'll just do what Jesus says, if you will obey him like he says, you'll come to the place that you'll love them also because God puts that into your heart. Now, do you know something, folks? Some of you come to church here every week and you sit in the pew there and you soak up everything that's going on. You get saturated with this and you you hear it but you just sit and you soak. And that's all you ever do. You sit and you soak. But there are some of you, you come to church and you sit here and you soak it up, but then you go out there and you squeeze it out. Week after week, you come to church and you soak it up and you go out there and you squeeze it out. Some of you do it every Sunday morning when you're teaching a Sunday school class. You soaked it up and you're squeezing it out to those little kids. You do it in Pioneer Club. You soaked it up and you squeeze it out to them. Some of you do it when you come and sing in the choir. You've soaked it up and you squeeze it out in service to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what God demands. You come, you soak up what you get here, and you go out there in service and you squeeze it out to everybody else. So they can also learn about Jesus. So if you love Jesus truly, you will express it in your service. 
Now, that's what Jesus says about life. Jesus says, in life, love me. And when you love him, what you think about, the one you like to talk about, the one you want to spend time with, that will be Jesus. And then you'll start to lay up treasure in heaven by your service. And that's what it really means to love Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus here talks about life. But he also says something else to us here. He talks to us about death. And in death, Jesus says, follow me. In death, follow me. Now look at verses 18 and 19 again. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he's talking to Peter, remember, when thou wast young, thou girdest, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now look at verse 19. This spake he, signifying what death, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Do you know that Jesus knows exactly what kind of death that you're going to die? Jesus knows exactly the hour. He knows the day. He knows the minute. He knows when all that's going to take place. He knows the manner. He he knows it all. And it says here that he spoke this to signify the kind of death that Peter would die. So Jesus was very well aware what would happen to Peter. If we could choose the way that we would die, I think that all of us would probably come up with a very nice, neat little plan about how we would like that to happen. We would have it all figured out exactly the way that we would want to die. If, if, I, could, if I knew how I was going to die and all about this. I mean, I, I, would, I, would, I would want to choose the exact time that this was going to happen. I, I would figure things out to the way that I would get everything done. I would make sure that everything that I left undone, I would, I would get it all prepared. Everything would be just right. I, I'd do all the things that I never had time in my life to do. And then when it came down to the day that I was going to die, at about 10 p.m. at night, about bedtime... I would decide, well, I'm going to go into the bedroom. I'm going to put on my Scooby-Doo pajamas with the feet in them. And I'm going to snuggle down into my bed. And I'm going to pull the covers right up underneath my chin. Our house always had the little fan up there blowing. And so I'd be real comfortable, you know. And uh, laying on my favorite pillow, I've got to have that. So I've got all these things just right. And then comfortably and silently... And painlessly, I would just drift off into sleep and wake up in heaven. Wouldn't you like to go that way? Does it ever happen that way? No, it doesn't happen that way. We know the way people die. Most people die with their shoes on, don't they? They die unexpectedly. You know what? You don't know the hour that you're going to die. You don't know how it's going to happen. The only one who knows that is God. You can't choose the way you're going to die. You can't choose the hour that you're going to die. In most cases, you can't do that. That's impossible. But I'll tell you something you can do. You can choose to have your death glorify God. Well, how are you going to do that? How am I going to glorify God in my death? Well, since we don't know the hour or the day that we're going to die or the manner in which we're going to die, then we have to live every single day of our lives glorifying God. And so then, if death comes unexpectedly, we'll glorify God in our death. You ever wonder what people are going to say about you after you die? Would would you like to be able to attend your own funeral and to hear what people would say about you? 
I don't really like to preach funerals. A pastor, of course, does that out of necessity. I'm not going to refuse to preach somebody's funeral, but I don't enjoy that. I mean, it's not my favorite thing to do, as you can well imagine. But when I preach a funeral, I do like to be able to say, if that casket is down here or if it's a funeral home, wherever, I like to be able to say, this person lived their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. This person was a follower of Jesus. And I like to be able to point to that person and say, you know what? You need to follow their example. You need to live your life like they did because they love Jesus. They follow Jesus. I would love to have people say about me when I die, there's somebody who loved the Lord. There's somebody who wanted to follow Jesus, and I'd like to be like that. That's the way that I want to die. So we can choose how we're going to glorify God in our deaths, and that's by living for Jesus every single day. Well, in verse number 21, after Jesus confronted Peter... Peter seemed to be a little bit uncomfortable about all things that Jesus was saying. And so he tried to deflect Jesus' statement. And he looked over at John, and John was standing there, and he said, Jesus, what about him? How's he going to die? Is he going to glorify you in his death? And Jesus wouldn't let him do that. He said, what what are you talking about John for? You don't need to talk about John. Let's talk about you. Are you going to glorify me in your death? You need to follow me. He says, Jesus says, now what is that to you? I mean, uh, if I say that John is going to be here all the way till the time that I come back again, and John's not even going to die at all, what is that to you? What are you going to do? So what's Jesus trying to teach us by that statement? I think he's trying to teach us this. You are the only one who is responsible for your destiny. You are the only one that's responsible. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. You are the one who's held accountable before God. And so you've got to follow Jesus yourself. And it doesn't matter what your dad did or what your mom did or what your grandpa did. I've been out on visitation a lot of times and you ask people, are you going to go to heaven when you die? I mean, are you a Christian? Are you a believer in Jesus? Do you think that you'll go to heaven when you die? And people say, you know something? My, my, my grandfather was a Methodist preacher. And my mom used to go to Sunday school every single week. Wonderful. I'm glad to hear that. But the question's not about what your mom did and what grandpa did. The question is about you. What are you going to do? And don't answer this question today by looking at the person next to you in the pew and saying, I wonder what he's going to do. Is he going to glorify God? Jesus is not asking that question. The question is, what are you going to do? Because you're the one who has to answer to God. Nobody answers to him but you, for what you do. And so you need to be aware of this. That nothing's going to change when you die. Now let me explain that statement. The way that you're living right now is the way that you're going to die. Your destiny has to be decided right at this very moment because when you die, that's too late. Nothing's going to change after death. What you do right now counts because either right now at this very moment you're on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. There's only two places you can go. One's heaven and one's hell. And when you die, that's not going to change. At death, nothing changes. The place that you're going right now at this very moment, if you die at this very moment, the place that you're going is the place that you've chosen right now. If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us that you will die and you'll go to a place called hell, a place of eternal torment with a burning fire. 
if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, if you are a believer in Jesus, if you trust him, what Jesus did on the cross, when he died there and he shed his blood, if you trust that yourself and you personally believe that what Jesus did on the cross was for you, and if you believe that, the Bible teaches that you will go to heaven when you die. Now, let's go back to verse number 18 for just a moment. What happened to Peter? Now, Jesus is revealing, talking something about his death, but what happened to Peter? We don't actually know. The Bible doesn't say what happened to Peter. Now, what Jesus says to Peter here, he says, now, when you die, or he says, right now, uh, you clothe yourself. You're young right now. You clothe yourself. You do what you want to do. You go where you want to go. But he says, a time is coming when another is going to lead you. Another one's going to take you to a place that you don't want to go. What happened to Peter? I said, we don't actually know. But tradition says that Peter was crucified. When the Roman emperor Nero was killing Christians in cruel ways, they came to Peter and they bound him and they led him to take him to a place that he didn't want to go. And as they were getting ready to nail Peter to that cross, Peter said, I am not worthy to die in the same way that my Lord died. And so he said, I need to be crucified in a different way. And again, I say tradition says that they crucified Peter upside down. We don't know exactly how long it took Peter to die. We don't know many how many hours that took or how agonizing that it was. I can imagine that it must have been very agonizing. But there is one thing that I do know. When Peter opened up his eyes, he was in heaven. And he saw Jesus. And I believe that King Jesus said to him, Peter, and I don't think he said Simon this time. I think he said, Peter, you live for me. Peter, when I said, follow me, you followed me. And he said to him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What will Jesus say to you when you die? Will he say, well done, thou good and faithful servant? We don't know how many other things Jesus did. We come down to that last verse of Scripture, verse number 25. We don't know how many other things Jesus did, but here's the only thing that we do know. John testified that the things that he wrote down were true, and he wrote down enough things in the Gospel of John that if you will simply believe what John says, if you will trust what he says in this Gospel account, there is plenty enough information for you to be saved. The question for you this morning is, do you love Jesus? He says, lovest thou me more than these What will your answer be? That's what Jesus wants to know today. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for the word that we've read. Great question that's asked. Lovest thou me more than these? I pray that you would help each person to search their heart today and help them to determine if the kind of love that they professed for you is the kind of love that it really is. Lord, may you show some folks today that they need to dedicate themselves wholly to you. They need to love you with a 100% love. What they receive here, they need to take out and give to others. And then, Lord, there may be some here today that they have not yet trusted you as their personal Lord and Savior. Help them to understand that they need to do that right now. If they were to die this very moment, the place where they're going now is the place that they will spend all eternity May you lay it on someone's heart today. I need to trust Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. 
Speak to hearts today, and we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's please.